Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor. Hi, you Road to Growth listeners. Today I have Oliver Finkins. Uh, he is SEO expert, marketing, anything to do with computer. Is that kind of a correct <laughs> assessment? Yeah. Yeah, anything to do with technology, marketing, SEO, internet marketing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a, a lot on your plate, especially, uh, I know you've been doing it for a little while. That's a lot of uh, change, a lot of things that probably worked a couple of years back compared to what works now. A little bit different, huh? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we tend to follow big poppy Google around. So it's <laughs> whatever Google's doing, we have to adapt, right? So uh, in the SEO community or the internet marketing space, we're constantly just basically reverse engineering what works in Google and, and, you know, trying to future proof our clients as much as possible. But yeah, completely how, reactive. How, uh, um, how often are they changing their algorithm? What does that look like? How do you stay up to date with that? Yeah. So there's a lot of great resources available to the public as well. Uh, you know, Moz, moz.com is, is a company that provides software, but they maintain a really great calendar of updates. And then they also link kind of articles to people's interpretations of those because Google doesn't really come out and say, we've made up this update. Sometimes they do, but they certainly don't go over uh, kind of what what's happening with them, right? So it's up to the SEO community to kind of uh, look as a whole to find out, okay, what's, what's changing, what's not changing and provide feedback. So um, as a community, we kind of share this responsibility of documenting these changes and then understanding uh, what's, what's hitting and what's not. Makes sense. Well, have you always uh, been into computers? I mean, who was Oliver at a young age? <laughs> so, yeah, I've always been into computers, but more into marketing, right? I really enjoy the study of people. Uh, I think human nature is fascinating, um, and especially when you get into sales and marketing. Just the idea of being able to like influence somebody else or you know get them to go down a specific thought process, whether it be uh, buying something or you know learn you know wanting to have the desire to buy something. So uh, you have to kind of be a good steward of people to understand that. I mean, you know, and I'm assuming in you know in real estate and things like that too, it's the same way, right? Like you you know, you have a skill of being able to move them through a process. And, you know, when I brought, when I purchased my, my last home, right, I had a list of everything that I had to have and, and everything that it couldn't have. I knew exactly what I wanted. I went to the, to the realtor and he took me to everything that was on my list and we just weren't hitting something. And then he said, you know what, I spent, you know, whatever, three weeks with you. I have a feeling for what you've been saying, kind of what you're looking at. Can you, can you take a risk with me? And we said, sure. Took me into a house had nothing on my list, nothing on my don't show, everything on my don't show me list, and it was the perfect house, right? So there's a there's a especially in real estate, but also just general in sales and entrepreneurship, like being able to have that that sixth sense is is really valuable when when trying to sell. And I think uh, you know really being able to develop that skill as a as an entrepreneur or, or you know someone in sales or marketing is is really crucial to success. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. What um, I just curious, what was on your uh, don't want list? So I had a lot of, so I wanted a specific style of house. I wanted it to be moving ready. You know, I wanted the dream house, right? I, you know, no more than this space, no less than that space. And, uh, you know, even to the yard, I wanted it to be, you know, flat. Like I had this vision of what my perfect house was. And we ended up uh, walking into a deal where it was a really large house, like 14,000 square feet. It's a mansion, massive house. Um, but it had been let go for a decade. So 
it needed a lot of work, but the the situation was where, where the lady that was living it was desperate to get rid of it. It was paid off. Her husband had passed away, and she just needed to move. And she's been trying to get this get out of this house for years. So my realtor's like, look, ignore the the footprint, ignore you know whatever. This is an opportunity for you to get in and and you know not only have this huge house with a pool and all this stuff, but to, over time you can make these changes. But really, if you look at this, you're going to stay here for 20 years. This is going to be built in equity once you make these changes. It's a really good investment. It's not what you want, but you know you're going to be set up really great for the future. And and he was right. And we ended up being a money pit. But but you know we're going to make up great on the other end. And we're already appraised at over over what we spent on it. So we're already making money. You know, two years in, but. Um, you couldn't imagine living anywhere else, you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, selling that story when people maybe don't want to, to hear the story. Now, you're talking about um, marketing, kind of telling a story at a, a young age. So does that mean that you were like selling products or were you selling your friends on different stuff or what was? What yeah. So my dad was an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur, right? And he, but he was very sales centric. So, um, and most entrepreneurs, I would say, know how to sell, whether they know it or not, or have some sort of ability to sell, you know, whether it be uh, selling on why you should come work for me or the vision behind it, or, you know, the, the bringing on customers or, or resources or getting deals or whatnot. There's something innate to most entrepreneurs. Um, you know, as a young age, I, I was a DJ. My first job, I was just a, a mobile DJ, right? Like going to school dances, weddings, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the DJ company went out of business. Not not anything I did, but it went out of business. And essentially, had like fifteen like vans that were like really bad, really bad equipment. And they were just like looking to get rid of it, right? So it was like for two thousand dollars, they give you the van, all the speakers and equipment that could fill the van, and and a whole set of music, like literally ready to go. Oh, wow. So. Me and a friend of mine, are, we both went to our fathers and we had like wrote up a little business plan. We didn't know what we we're doing. We were like 16 years of age, but like we wrote up a business plan of what this thing could make. And we were going to split the $3,000. None of us had any money. So our parents were going to put in 1500 bucks each and we would pay them back. And, you know, it was a really good experience. Like I went to school till three, right? And I would get out of school. I'd run to my dad's office. The night before I have went, I, my favorite thing to DJ was school dances because it's obviously more fun than children weddings. I would literally go online and I would back then, you know, 15 years ago, I would get the fax numbers of all the schools, fax numbers, like every middle school. I would literally go on a database and just manually to each website, just literally. And I would make a flyer on like Microsoft Word and I would sit there at the, the foot of my dad's desk and manually send hundreds of faxes you know, to these, that would show up in these offices, you know, attention school dance organizer, and I would get calls. And, you know, I was 16 years old doing, you know, six to eight DJ events by myself, you know, with my friend, um, you know, I was putting myself through college with it. And I learned a lot about hustle, you know, like I learned a lot that he, I can either make this happen, or I could sit there and complain why it's not happening. And I chose, you know, to make something, make something happen. So, so that kind of got me into sales and marketing. What was your uh, father's uh, perception on his son getting into, uh, I guess, entrepreneurship, I mean, especially with him being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So my father specifically, he, I mean, yeah. yeah, so he was, he was interesting, you know, he, uh, it's interesting. So his, his motto, I'll never forget this in my life. It's the one piece of advice that I, he used to say all the time. And I, and it's funny because if you're not in sales, you would think it's not true, but if you are in sales, you definitely agree with it. He used to say, son, nothing happens to you sell something. And I, I'd always lived with me because I think it's really easy to get 
distracted, right? With, with this process needs to be absolutely perfect, or this creative needs to be spot on, or, or this, you know, you know, we got to look at our offices and how cool they are, right? Well, we got to have X, Y, Z, but all of that stuff matters and it doesn't matter, right? It matters to build your product, but nothing happens to you sell something. <laughs> so, you know, how many businesses have you seen where their execution to setting up has been fantastic, but their execution to move product or service or to actually sell or get, you know, paper in the bank? lacked right in, in their words if, if we build it they will come and it's just generally not how it works right you have to have attention to that sales process that marketing process you have to fuel that demand and a lot of people don't i, I i've talked to uh, i mean i've talked to a lot of people in the in the industry in the real estate industry and it's so funny i mean i met some really really smart people like smarter than me you know i mean and they're out of the business in you know a year two years and it's it's like they couldn't push it. They couldn't sell their story. They couldn't basically ask for the business. And I mean, they might have the greatest systems, but they couldn't get the, the, the product, sell the product. So totally agree with you. And you see it really often in, in the real estate market, right? Like in my mind, there's like two different real estate agents, right? There's the guy you know, that'll, will try to have the fancy website, all the branding, wrap their car, throw the billboards up, sponsor the local football games, you know, with little pillows or whatever, like, you know, they're trying to create that brand and that's what's going to, that interest is going to derive from, from that in their minds, right? Then you have the guys that maybe do some of that, but really they're hustling, right? So they are, you know, they're going through lists, right? They're, they're calling people that have been on the market for six months plus. They're stopping by their house like, hey, how's it going? You haven't sold yet. Well, look, you got to give me a try. I'm, I'm, I'm killer. Like I can get this done. Uh, switch to me, you know, and I'll make sure you get this sold in 90 days, you know, and whatnot. And, you know, these guys have that aggression where they're going out and getting business. And generally, in my experience, it's, it's a mix of both. But in my experience, it's the one that have that hustle mentality tend to do really well. I'll give you a good example on a marketing well, side let, of this. Well, let, let, me, let me jump in really fast. Yeah. If anyone's in the real estate field and is listening, if someone's under contract, don't solicit them. Solicit them. Wait till they actually their contract expires. But usually in six months, the contract will expire, if not earlier, maybe a little later, and then go after them. But just be aware they're can be some legal ramifications just throwing that out there yeah no that that's true that's true you know i was looking at this uh there's an article on on the news uh yesterday or two days ago i saw and maybe you already know this but there's like a realtor in los angeles i don't know if i necessarily agree with this but i think it's interesting to say the least so he he does some pretty crazy marketing right crazy marketing and not say good marketing but just like legitimately crazy uh, he had a $1.4 million house in Los Angeles he was trying to sell and he knew it was competitive and, and whatnot. So he said, if you bring this house to me, no questions asked, you're going to trust my, my creative genius, whatever, my marketing, and it's going to be crazy and you can't say anything. And I said, okay. He's like, great. So here's my pitch. I'm going to photo myself naked all throughout the house, completely naked in really crazy poses all around the house. And, you know, on the MLS, he obviously did not use it, right? And he, but he did blur everything out. But, you know, on, on social, on everything, all these pictures of the house are this realtor, like, in the really, like, craziest, like, barbecuing with nothing but a, a apron on in the backyard or sitting spread eagle on the lounge chair outside or, you know, sleeping in the, this client's bed <laughs> completely naked. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's sold. It's sold within 24 hours. He got national ex exposure. For, I mean, I guess more ways than one, but yeah. national exposure. Uh, but it's, you know, it worked for him and he took a risk. So I got to give him credit for taking that risk. Very unorthodox. And, uh, you know, um, but like I said, he did blur everything out. No one's seeing anything. But uh, I mean, he, I, I don't know. I, I take it from what you will. 
he he took a chance and he went after because uh, he, he probably got a lot of people that are like oh my gosh it's disgusting but then a lot of people are like yes i can appreciate that and like i mean that's what you got to do you got to be you i mean I, i've talked about it before i mean just uh um in general you hear a lot of different people here they're afraid to 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 be who they truly are because they feel like they might lose that piece of business yet they're going to gain so much more and more dedicated clients yeah, and that's it, right? I mean, he he's kind of known for that avant-garde marketing, but it you know it tends to work for him. I mean, even the people that were disgusted by it told five people about it, right? So, um, you know, and at the end of the day, they're buying the house. But you know, I, would I recommend marketing like that? Probably not. But you know, it's uh, it, it worked for him. But it's his brand, you know, this this shock jock of of real real estate, you know. But you know, um, but generally, I like to re recommend like traditional SEO and internet marketing. Well, let, let's get back to your, your DJ business. So when did you start putting uh, naked pictures of yourself out there on your uh, <laughs> I know. I should have done it. I think it might have been illegal at that time. But, you know, nevertheless, I would have really got the neighbors talking. But, you know, for me, it was it was interesting, right? I got the, the entrepreneurship uh, lesson, life lessons, basically compressed into like a year. You know, the guy that I went into business with ended up, you know, like bailing like six months in like it wasn't fun for him and he left me with everything and he just kind of wandered off and and you know moved away and, and so i was doing this by myself but i took this into college like i ended up hiring contractors interviewing employees to go and you know buying other sets of equipment doing multiple gigs at a night so i got this really young kind of like ex you know tiny experience of entrepreneurship and and i found a lot about me like where my weaknesses are where my strengths are what i enjoy what i don't but um you know, for me, it's always been sales driven. You know, it's always been, um, you know, I think anybody for the most part can put a product together, varying degrees of success, but you know, you can't do anything unless you sell it or, or get, get revenue for it. Otherwise, you know, we call that a hobby. It's not, it's not a business. So there's a lot of hobbyists out there in the entrepreneurship, right? Where they're, they're, you know, they want the title, they want the recognition, but they're, you know, they really haven't scratched the surface on what they can do because they're they're scared to get out there and push it forward, sell it. You, so you're, well, where do I go? So you're building your business, the DJ thing. You're going to college. You're pushing yourself through college. I mean, did you think after you graduated from college that you were going to make this your career, the the DJ business, or what happened after? College? No. So I always take the the longest road, not because I'm smart or anything, but it's just because I'm stubborn, right? So. I ended up uh, getting put on academic probation because I, <laughs> I was working, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I couldn't just do the college thing. So actually I went to school to become a, a medic, a paramedic. Oh. So I was working while I was going through my bachelor's degree overnight, you know, 40 hours a week doing the whole EMS thing. Right. And also doing the DJ thing. And I was working so much that I just wouldn't even show up for class because I, you know, I was tired or whatnot. Right. And I ended up getting kicked out of college for a short period of time and my parents i was living with them at the time kicked me out of the house they were like basically like you know you're gonna go to college or you're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna lose all your you're gonna lose everything right you were still love you but you got to go out if you're gonna if you're gonna get out of this you got to go make your own way so that's what i ended up doing you know i ended up you know going to a, a series of odd jobs and, and and that and uh you know i ended up kind of into entrepreneurship by, you know, I ended up coming back around and getting my degree or working towards it, but I got an opportunity to work in sales at an internet mark or internet company basically. And I got to experience all the different parts of like developing a tech company, right? The product, the, the marketing, the sales aspect. And then one of my coworkers at that, uh, that company had a little side hustle. A little side hustle was like, 
uh, a landing page for uh, basically trying to generate leads for people looking for nursing jobs, right? And he he had a lot of trouble with it. He couldn't make any money off of it. He he had the general concept, but I you know I saw I saw the mechanics, I saw the the flaws in how the product was put together and how the the you know the revenue side was put together, and it was kind of built on the trust signal where like. I'll send you leads of nurses looking to, to get, you know, for a job. And if you place one, send me a thousand bucks. Well, wouldn't you know, nobody placed one, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the first thing I said was, man, that's, that's gotta go, <laughs> you know, there's gotta be some level of a subscription service or something. So we basically, I, I we formed the partnership and, uh, we went in and I basically redid this thing from scratch with him. And all of a sudden we, I said, you know, these, these guys that are getting these leads of nurses that aren't placing one in three years, we've got to cancel their agreement because we got to take those leads to someone else who's going to pay us. Well, wouldn't you know the day that we canceled that agreement is the day they came running back and said, oh, we're sorry, forgot to tell you, we placed 18 nurses last month. Here's $18,000. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it's that, you know, so you got to, you know, so we ended up keeping them and, and bringing on and now that company has evolved into one of the companies I own now, which is called Track 5. It's a $7 million company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, you know, we, we were able to kind of take that idea from that and, and move it forward um, into what the company is today. Do you, and I got two questions on it. So, um, do you think then that those people were in essence stealing from the company until they actually knew that they were going to stop losing their leads or what do you think happened there? Cause that's, Oh no, I, I, they, they were placing the leads. They were usually, they were utilizing the lead. They were just taking advantage of some, you know, uh, you know, just he would, it was all based on the honor system. And one thing you gotta, you know, I learned pretty you know, early is that not all, not all companies are 100% honest as you know as you'd like them to be, right? So um, once we added kind of that pricing model where they pay regardless, um, and, not, and, and went to go shut them off, they you know they quickly you know came forth with the honesty. But um, it was their best lead source, you know, and they didn't yeah. want to stop it. So um, but anyway, we ended up expanding that to hundreds of clients across the country, and and now uh, we've used a similar model under my one of my companies called Track Five which basically what track five is, is we have uh, a series of job boards in, in different and in career sites in different niche verticals. So nursing, trucking, pilots, allied providers, doctors, you know, you name it. And we not only develop the, develop the software, develop the marketing plan and we sell it uh, as a subscription service to people looking to hire. And it's, it's a massive business. Uh, we have 26 people that work here. And then on top of that, we also have uh, an agency division called Trusted Search Marketing. Uh, which is where we help clients do exactly what we do on a daily basis. So, if, for example, there's clients that will come on to use our job boards, you know, pay a subscription fee to, be, to use our job boards, and for whatever reason, it doesn't do well for them or, or they have some special needs where really they need to do their own marketing rather than pay for a job board. So that's where Trusted Search Marketing comes in. We'll help them, you know, use digital marketing to recruit just the same way we're doing it in this, you know, in this company. Um, but then we can also use digital for pretty much anything. To go back a little bit to your your college years, you talked about it, that you got kicked out of college or you know, told to leave college, and then yeah. you worked and then went back. How how long of a time in between leaving to going back? I'd say about two years. I had a series of odd jobs, everything from like working at a CVS to a Turkey Hill, which is like a gas station. To um, I went back to EMS. I was I was working at a, at a as a paramedic here in the in the in Lancaster, you know, Pennsylvania. Um, it was just, I didn't, you know, it's one of those things where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I grew up watching my dad work, you know, 60 hours a week and, and, you know, running these companies successfully, you know, and, and some not successfully, 
but I always, I guess, you know, it took such a toll out of the family, so to speak, that I basically swore to myself that I would never be that guy behind a desk. You know what I mean? Never. I, I just swore it off. But then look at me now. <laughs> so I'm the same thing. So it's just weird how, you know, when you're a kid, you know, uh, you, you can fight what you're supposed to be, you know, but uh, at some point it comes to you. What, what was your mindset then once you went back to college a second time? Because, I mean, there's a, an idea that when, if you go straight from high school to college, I think you only remember around 20% of what you, uh, yeah. what you learn. And I think that number goes to drastic. I don't know the, know the percentage, but it goes to drastic if you actually work and then go back to college. I mean, what was that mindset like for yourself? Yeah. So, you know, it was weird, right? So I, I was at a point where, um, you know, I started to go back to college and, you know, my thought process was, all right, hey, dad, going back to college, here's the bill. And, uh, you know, what I didn't realize is that he was, he wasn't going to pay for it anymore. He's like, look, we've, we've spent a lot of money and you failed out of school. So that gravy train is gone. If you really want to go back, you're going to have to work for it. So that was kind of why I went to the, the, the pharmacy, the, and basically any, any job I could do, but check, tuition reimbursement, right? Because I couldn't afford to pay for it. So I, I, I chugged along at one or two courses, you know, a semester, very slow burning. Once I started my own company, within a year, I, I basically ended up uh, being able to create income so I could finish college. But I started my own company. I didn't finish my bachelor's degree until three years into my first company. And I, you know, I got ended up getting an MBA um, and working through that process. At that point, I kind of find found myself a little bit. And I've learned how to do schoolwork. <laughs> like I have terrible ADD, so I, you know, I just couldn't do it. So, but uh, it was weird. You know, I got myself back on track, focused down, and, and ended up doing really well in the rest of my grad school and my MBA. Um, but you know, I was focused. I had, had a, you know, I, at that point, I had two companies. I had the Track Five company that I just referenced, but I also owned another marketing agency called WebTalent, which is a big agency here in the East Coast, um, which I sold about five years ago. Um, you know, and, and it's weird, right? So like by the time I graduated college, I had two seven figure, you know, technology or marketing companies under my belt and I was 23 years old. So it was, it didn't help me as much, but it made me feel good that I, I finished it. And, um, I do think that it gives you a, a decent foundation and I think everyone should do it. Uh, in the tech industry, you know, there's the Elon Musk's and, the, and everybody else saying that, you know, don't go to college, take a bunch of micro classes or micro degrees are called you know, get, get experience and go. But I don't know there, I think there is something to be said about going through that rite of passage of going to college, sticking to something for four years, going through the, the, you know, and getting a foundational outlay. I think it's important. Were you allowing yourself to, to learn in college or were you leaning on the stuff you picked up in your, in your company? Cause you, you've, you built these companies, you're gaining, you're learning on the job. And I'm assuming professors were giving you information and sometimes what they were saying didn't really line up to what you learned on the front line. How was, yeah. how was that? So I was the only entrepreneur in my classes throughout the whole thing, right? So every once in a while, the, the professor would say, Oliver, what do you think? How do you handle that in your company? And I get to respond with like a real life example. And I remember there's two instances that were really interesting. One uh, was an ethics class, a business ethics class. And I had just gone through the year before, uh, basically buying out a partner who, uh, for lack of a better word, um, not didn't steal, but misappropriated funds, lied to the rest of the company. And it became a legal, a legal thing, if you will, to, to get him out. And 
uh, you know, so I ended up telling this story about this eight month trials and tribulations of working through the, you know, getting, becoming, getting sued or, or, or counter suing and all this stuff when you're 20, you know, whatever, three years old with no money, like, you know, and we're going through this, this whole thing. It's like, I'm giving this presentation because you had to re either research or come up with something on your own. So I like basically laid out what happened to me. And I remember it was crickets at the end of it. They couldn't believe this thing happened. And one of the kids raises their hands and said, so where is this guy in jail? I'm like, no, we just paid him like half a million dollars. Like, you know, and they couldn't believe it. And like, because there was the happy ending. And sometimes they're, they're, the happy ending was we got to keep the company and move forward and turn it into a multi-million dollar company years later. Right. That's the happy ending. But initially, you know, sometimes you got to pick and choose. You got to, you got to be strategic. You got to have patience. Right. And, um, I remember that the, uh, yeah, that was a big one. And then the other one I learned at was in my grad school. It was an internet marketing, uh, class, right? So nine times out of 10, the teacher would be like, Oh, SEO, uh, this is what the book says, but Oliver, can you teach this morning? Cause the book doesn't really go into depth. Like, how does it really work? So I would sit up there and there was times when the, the professor would say, I can't be here next Thursday. Oliver's going to lead the class on internet marketing, right? <laughs> like, so I was like, I'm going to get a shoe in, right? So I, I don't have to do anything, any work. So, um, the, the final project was to do like a digital marketing plan. And I'm like, Oh man, I got this right. Link building. We're going to do personas. Like I was pulling everything out of my tactic belt where I was just like, I'm going to show this guy stuff that he even, he didn't even know or think about. Like, I'm going to just, you know, blow the roof off this thing. And I got to see, and I went back to him at, at the end of class. And I'm like, really, I'm really disappointed. Like I came to you with my very best work. Like I'm using tactics that, you know, just came out last week that Google doesn't even know about. Like, this is like cutting edge stuff. And he's like, you're right. It is tactic driven, but you fail to deliver any kind of comprehensive strategy. You're just tactic heavy. And I thought about it. I'm like, crap. I was so, I was so focused on impressing him with tactics that I forgot about it, the strategy that guides them. And one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. So we, you know, when we say like college, right? Like I, I could teach the class. I, I have more, uh, you know, tactical knowledge than, than any other one, but I failed to miss one of the basic principles. And that's where I think college can be helpful. Oh, no, definitely. It, it makes sense. So, you, so you're building the companies, you're growing the companies. When do you actually start like looking at the idea of, I guess, giving back? Because you start getting a podcast, kind of telling a story. I mean, when did you, that come about? Uh, what was the question again? When did you start kind of like, you started growing the companies, right? You're building multiple companies, but now you're actually out there kind of getting more eyes on you, going on podcasts, getting more information. When did you kind of start, I guess, changing it, veering it a little bit of kind of telling more of your story, telling more about your company. Yeah. So, you know, for me, you know, I, we kind of get back a couple of different ways. So we're, for me, like I, I didn't get a, there were, I didn't have a mentor, right. Necessarily. I wish I did, you know, I didn't, I didn't know where, and it was the biggest mistake uh, I think I made. And I would, I would recommend to your viewers as well. If you have the opportunity to get a really good mentor very early on, it can be life-changing. I mean, it really can, especially I'm assuming in the real estate industry, like there's probably some veteran guys out there that would love to take you under their wing, uh, save you, you know, tons of money and time and mistakes. Uh, you know, and I think it's really helpful. So I try to do that now. Right. So like I teach, I I'm on a sabbatical, but I teach entrepreneurship at the local college. Um, I've taught, you know, for high school, I get involved in different volunteer things for coaching, you know, underprivileged people that are looking to start their businesses. Um, you know, knowledge is power, right? And if I can offer something like that, I'd rather do that than write a check if they don't know how to spend it, you know? Um, 
but we do do a lot of thought content leadership, like podcasts like this, a lot of videos. We're speaking this week at a, at a trade show on internet marketing. Someone else from my team, like, you know, we, we definitely believe in contributing to a sense of community, you know, and a lot of SEOs or a lot of internet marketer, they will marketers, they will approach this from, well, I've got the secret sauce. You know, you can't, you know, everything I do is proprietary and you don't, and that's just not true, right? There's, there's different ways to do it, but there's no secret sauce in anything, you know? So we believe that there's more advantage, advantage to having everybody come together and, and communicate and share than there is being that guy in the corner who's holding what he thinks are, you know, the only marbles in town, right? So uh, was that, and it's the right thing to do. Was that always a mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, I had partners in the agency business that were like, oh, why, why are you giving this away? Why, why do you, why do you say this? You know, why are you telling this client this, like we use this tool, you know, and they could, they could go get that tool. I'm like, look, if getting that tool, you know, would negate the need for us and, and then we don't have a very strong product, A, you know, and B, if it's something they need to be successful, why would I hold that back in, in case of, of, of just making myself feel better or, you know, you know, we want to do right by our clients. That's the, the guiding, the guiding principle, right? So honesty is part of that guiding principle. Um, but like I said, if, if there's a piece of information or a tool that they can use or, or a strategy that we're holding back just because we're scared they're going to leave us, then we must not be very good at what we do. You know, where do you think that that mindset came from? Cause that's very, uh, it usually takes people a lot of years to kind of understand that, um, that it's okay to kind of give free information, free knowledge, because they'll come back to you. You got to have a value proposition so on and so forth. I mean, was that something that your dad um, kind of brought to you or where did that come from? Do you remember? Um, I don't know if it necessarily was my dad, but it was more of this realization that there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Usually one thing or one, one issue or one thing is usually not, it's not a monolithic thing, right? Like this one issue, right? So if we, if we use a piece of software that's commonly available to everybody, and I feel like this client would benefit from it in this example, and, and they have a large team and, and they could benefit from it. Me telling them to use that, like that piece of software is not why they use us, right? They use us for other things. And to understand that, that they would get value from that and the benefit that they have from that software and for, the, for me being transparent and, and telling them about it, that trust that I'm going to get from that client is going to keep them on with me for years and years and years and years, right? Um, and the risk of them saying, well, thanks for that tip on how to use Google Analytics. I'm going to leave you now. It's very, very, very rare. So it's that risk reward tolerance. And I think coming circling back to what I said in the beginning about knowing people um, and also being a really good judge of like risk tolerance and, and, and things like that. You know, that's kind of where that, that came from. And, and I, I, I have the golden rule, right? Do unto others, right? You know, if, if there's a tool that can make my life easier and my agency's using it and they don't want to tell me what it is, conversely, I would feel kind of bad about that agency. I don't, I don't know if I trust them. I'd feel taken advantage of. Um, I kind of would expect them to be honest with me, you know, so that's kind of my guiding principle there. That makes sense. I mean, golden rule. I mean, that's as simple as it gets right there. Uh, what do you think has been more one of your more difficult things uh, of building your brand, building your company uh, over the years? So I think, you know, we talked about knowing people, right? So that's, that's really important, but more important and much harder than that. This gets deep <laughs> is knowing yourself, right? So, um, and I'm not just not talking about professionally, like limitations, things you're good at, but also, uh, knowing how you treat people, how you talk to people, um, how you're perceived, what your leadership style is like, 
you know, so that's something, you know, 10 years, 12 years into as an entrepreneur, that's something that I'm really now just feeling confident enough to address in a very like vulnerable and, and true way with my team here. We just hired a company to do a retrospective, you know, and this person interviews everybody in the company through a very methodical type of interview um, and puts together basically this anonymous type of this is where you are in the industry. This is where your, your team thinks of you, your leadership, the company, the direction, the vision. And, you know, it's delivered completely anonymously. And, you know, I went through it and it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever been through in my life. It was like, here are all the things you're doing great. And I like that part, you know, here are the things that you're doing okay. And then there's just eviscerated on, on a couple of things, right? Some of it didn't make sense and it wasn't accurate. Like, you know, I heard Oliver wants to sell the company. Well, that's not true. I don't know where it came from, but um, somebody, somebody in that list feels that way. So I've got to address that, right? So um, there's a level of vulnerability and a, a level of not like, put it this way, not everybody can take criticism. And I think you have to be at a very, at that level, right? Like, cause this is when you're an entrepreneur, it's your baby. This is your, this is, I love this thing just like I love my kids, right? I've put more time and effort into it. Like it's, it's something I've grown since I was 23 years old. Like to have somebody come in and say who works for you that you pay for, you know, uh, you know, I don't like it. I think it's, it's a bad place to work or whatnot, you know, it hurts. So, but to be able to not be defensive, to be able to not assign blame to that supposed person, but to really take the root cause and address it, that takes a level of maturity and emotional maturity that I think you get with confidence and time. So I am now 12 years in just at that time where I can start to process that information and really make changes. And what's really cool is they've, done subsequent um, kind of tests and they've, you know, they've, they've seen improvement from me and the company and our leadership team. So, you know, but if, if five years ago, Oliver would not have been able to handle that. Five years ago, Oliver would have just delete, <laughs> like, you know, cause I was, you know, in, in growth, right? Like I'm like, Oh, what do these people know? Screw them, you know? But when you're trying to build a team and you're trying to ex exhibit trust and, and to, you know, uh, so like five years ago, I was building something that I could lead, right? Now I'm trying to build something that I, I can't lead, right? I'm trying to build something so that it doesn't rely around me because we've reached a certain size that I become a bottleneck. So my objective now to five years ago is completely different. I want this thing to be able to run autonomously, you know, and that's my metric for success. So where are you going to be? And I guess in, in, in return, where are your company going to be in five years from now? So like I said, we just kind of like, you know, I've been really working on leadership. So we made some big leadership changes with, with the company that I run here. We've added another li a line of VPs that we didn't have before. Um, you know, we've, we've gone through a lot of vision, long-term strat strategic planning and vision planning. So right now, and those things don't revolve around necessarily me where they're bringing the ideas or I'm trying to create this where, where they're kind of moving the company forward and I'm supporting them as opposed to lead, you know, dragging them through. Right. Um, and leading them by example, making sure that vision is clear. So next five years, I'm, I'm hoping that I am able to kind of step back from the, 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 the leadership of the company in the day to day and just kind of be that strategic leadership, but not necessarily leading people through tasks and things that have to be done. And, and you know, then I know that I've succeeded at that point. What are you going to do with, uh, uh, more free time? Well, to me, I'll probably, you know, I'll probably always find something to do with either within the company, I'll take on a project and run it or, you know, uh, you know, or just get involved in other things like entrepreneurs aren't entrepreneurs of one single business they're just people that like to create. So, you know, I'd love to do some other things, you know, ironically, real estate, right? That's something where uh, I really like and I've gotten into it at a little level. And 
it's it's interesting, right? It's a it's a different part of the brain. It's a different side of business, especially nowadays. It's very very confusing, <laughs> very very complicated with the the home prices and the different markets. And um, you know, when you get into like rentals, like Airbnb versus regular rentals, and uh, COVID and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's a moving target. And I find it really fascinating. So I, you know, I've, I've been kind of slowly getting into like the rental markets, you know, for like Airbnbs and stuff and just trying to flip properties, but it's been, it's been really difficult the last year and a half to find something that's not overvalued, you know? So. Well, it was uh, funny. I had someone on the other day cause I'm always lear learning stuff on, on, on the podcast, talking to great, great people. And I had someone on, he, um, uh, buys land and he holds a note on land uh, for, for people. And then he gets, he's based like the bank on it. So it's a really low barrier of entry. Like, that's a very interesting way of doing it. Cause people want land. They develop yeah. it. I mean, so anyway, yeah. well, let's say if you could talk back to your younger self, that person that just got kicked out of college, what <laughs> advice would you give that kid? I would say, uh, get back in college. <laughs> be, yeah. be number one, but um, no, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have followed the, the mold, right? If I would have followed the predestined plan for me, if, if, if I would be where I'm at today. Right. So I feel like I'm, I'm one of those guys where, you know, people say, I don't, I don't regret a thing. Well, yeah, there's plenty of things I regret, but you know, taking the, the, the way that I did and, and building it myself and, uh, you know, being able to, to build confidence in what I was doing by making mistakes that really, I think that shaped who I was. I mean, when I was in high school, uh, I went to a private school and we had career assessments at the end of the end of senior year, where basically you would take this two hour test. It would tell you what you were supposed to be. So as I mentioned earlier, terrible ADHD, right? So I was, I did really poor at standardized tests and everybody around me was getting doctor, lawyer, attorney. I looked at mine and it said sanitation worker. <laughs> right. So imagine like 17 year old kid, everyone around you like, Hey, I'm going to be a scientist. I'm going to be a doctor. And mine says sanitation worker. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor too. <laughs> like, you know, but, uh, you know, I remember it. And that was one of the most profound moments. Cause it was like, you're looking at your whole life. Right. And you're looking at, wow, I'm, I'm not destined for, you know, not, not hard, nothing to knock on sanitation workers, but you know, wouldn't, I don't think it's anyone's like life ambition probably at that age, you know, you have really big ambitions for yourself. And, you know, it was, it was killer for me. And that was when I realized that, you know, I didn't fail school. School failed me, right? School was, school is kind of for a, a set kind of criteria and I'm not knocking it. It's valuable, but you have to learn when you're a little different, like I am, or, you know, you have a learning disability or you're entrepreneurial or creative in nature. School isn't really built for those type of people. It's, it's meant for people who can kind of color in the lines. And, you know, I just had to learn to kind of stick with it. So what, what you know, what would I have done differently? I would have told myself to hang on, go through your experiences you know, keep pushing, keep learning and, and find this out in, in a way that makes sense for you. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, there's a lot of people, entrepreneurs that do really poorly in school, uh, that, that make really successful businesses. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, just, it's, uh, uh yeah, it's, it's, if you're in school right now, trying to find out what's the best Avenue for you, I mean, give it a chance mentors. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about that try to find people that have been in the avenues that you want to be in. They'll give you feedback, give you advice. I mean, there's so many people out there, especially, I mean, people like yourself, Oliver, that have succeeded or are on the path to success. They're willing to give back. For the most part, people that aren't willing to, to talk to you or take your call, they might be hiding something or they really haven't succeeded on the level that, yeah. that you're looking to get to. So 
I think there's so many opportunities, so many avenues. School is not the the one path. I think for everyone, I think it could be a great yeah. avenue. Yeah. Well, we, you know, a good example, right? Like I've, I've gotten countless emails just in LinkedIn requests randomly from people that are like, you know, Hey, you know, something happened to me or I'm, you know, I'm really struggling with this thing. I'm trying to become an entrepreneur. Do you have five minutes to talk to me? And I'll generally always, uh, respond and be like, yeah, let's, let's have a quick conversation or people have asked me to come to coffee and things like that. And, you know, I, and I, I guess I never, like I said, I never had that. So I feel kind of obligated to, to try and to pay it forward. But, you know, there are also formal things like SCORE. SCORE has a really good program. You know, I had a, a mentor through SCORE for a little bit here at the end of the about four or five years ago, and it really helped me soften me up to be able to receive criticism before we <laughs> went to this, you know, when I went full throttle. But, uh, you know, if any of you are looking for any kind of mentorship SCORE in your local area, it's it's free. Um and they're generally, you know, it's all retired executives. They have a wealth of knowledge. And I don't know, there's probably some real estate ones in there too, you know, so probably a little bit well, of everybody. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, what's the best way uh, people are looking to, to follow your journey or reach out to you? What's the best avenues? Yeah, so you can check us out at trustedsearchmarketing.com, Trusted Search Marketing, or you can just hit me up on LinkedIn at Oliver Feekins, uh, and we can go from there. Appreciate it. Thank you again, Oliver, for being on the podcast. Thank you, everyone listening. Hopefully, you got some some great nuggets right there. Uh, please subscribe. Please share. Go find Oliver. All his information is in the show notes. Thanks again, Oliver. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.